Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Patriot Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Penn State is six and three, finally off of a three-game losing streak back in the win column after a visit to College Park, Maryland. The Nittany Lions defeat the Terrapins of Maryland on the road in what is lovingly being referred to as Penn State's uh, Maryland campus at this point. The uh, Penn State fans did a nice job making their presence felt, as did the band. You could hear them throughout the game. So Penn State wins by a score of 31 to 14. So finally, some positivity, uh, which I think every Penn State fan was dying for. We're going to dive into what was kind of a uh, a slow and stagnant game for the most part. Penn State obviously pulling away in the fourth quarter and ultimately pulling out the victory, covering their 10-point spread as was projected. So that's good for a lot of people. Jahan Dotson having a career day, and I don't think any Penn State fan was really surprised to see the way that he went off. So number five continues to be outstanding. We're going to touch on Sean Clifford in terms of his accuracy was definitely something that was a problem, but was that his fault? Was that more the offensive line? Uh, definitely want to get Matt's thoughts on that. And then at the same time, the Penn State defense has been the most consistent facet of this team the entire season. They did exactly what mm-hmm. Penn State fans expected them to. So we're going to really sift through all this because I understand there's been a lot of negativity around this program, and when loses come up, uh, losses come up, excuse me, uh, people like to throw barbs at each other and at the coaching staff and everything. But you know what? We have something to be very grateful for and thankful for before the Michigan game. So I'd like you all to like, comment, subscribe, and turn on notifications before we go any further. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, the Pater Podcast is presented by Funk Brewing, which is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. Matt and I are tremendous fans of Funk Brewing. I have enjoyed their products uh, very, very much since Matt and I have started working on this show. And uh, they've been good friends of yours for a long time, Matt. Isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, you know, again, and, um, you know, they do a fantastic job. They have a ton of different <laughs> beers. So, you know, if uh, again, if you're somebody that, you know, uh, isn't in the craft beer scene or is very picky about what you drink, I'm sure they have something that that you'll like. Again, they, you know, they have IPAs, double IPAs. They have the, 
you know, fruity summer beers and a lot of the seasonal stuff. Um, you know, again, their, their silent disco IPA is fantastic. Their citrus IPA. So a lot of great stuff. Uh, they help me out every single year with my charity golf tournament. So it's a fantastic company and, and, and great people that own it. You were just daydreaming about funk brewing and the next chance you have to have it. <laughs> Yeah, I've got uh, some. I've got brewing. some in the fridge. I've got some in the fridge. So probably there after, you go. After hey, we, there's reason to celebrate. This after we finish this podcast, yeah, yeah, no doubt. There you go. Funk brewing is a lot of different styles and flavors, as Matt mentioned. Uh, Fifty plus options over time. I think you can find funk brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. Trust me, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer loving taste buds. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. So Penn State now sits at number 23 in the AP Top 25 following this victory. So, you know, it's it's about where Penn State should be, considering the way this season has gone. And the way that the Big Ten shook out uh, this past Saturday, Matt, I wanted to touch on that real quick because Iowa continues to slip. Illinois bowed up again and and beat Minnesota. Ohio State looked a little shaky against Nebraska. Michigan looked excellent against Indiana. Uh, kind of looking around the conference real fast. What did you make of this past Saturday? Well, uh, you know, I, I so I do I do the Sirius XM ESPN New Big Ten Radio, and uh, you know, it was on on Friday. And Purdue that was my upset of the week. Purdue Michigan State game. I just I haven't mm. been sold on Michigan State like no doubt they're a good team no doubt Mel Tucker has done a fantastic job you know so early in his career there but th- there was a lot of holes on that team especially defensively and Purdue goes and throws for over 500 yards and that was my only concern when I picked Purdue it was like which Purdue team is gonna show up because they haven't been the most consistent team in the Big Ten um you know can you view Matt you can imagine if they would like to have gotten some of the games back they played this year. Who knows where they'd be right now if they were able to put it together every single week. Um, but Wisconsin, man, it looks like Wisconsin is probably is probably the team in the West. And at the beginning of the year, who would have thought that? Even look at Minnesota. Like, uh, Minnesota had won four games in a row up until this past week. And you go out there, you put six points on the board. You know, people, people were talking about them being the team in the West. So, Big Ten is crazy, man. Um, it just shows you how strong it is, man, and how you literally cannot take a week off in this conference. The Big Ten West especially is a gigantic log jam of, I believe, a bunch of teams that are four and two in conference, I think, and then a bunch of six and three or seven and two overall if you're Iowa. Iowa just looks very different since the Penn State-Iowa game. It's been really interesting to see. And then to the point you said, Penn State goes on the road and beats Wisconsin at home, and it looked like for the better part of September and October, Wisconsin wasn't Wisconsin, but they have slowly crept back into the conversation. And then Ohio State just continues to be kind of suspect. It does make you think that if they get into the college football playoff, and a lot has to happen, uh, could they get really, really thumped? I, I don't know entirely, and I think that's the curious thing about um, what is a relatively you know, young team. They, they have a lot of talent, obviously, but it's going to be an interesting ride the remainder of the week, uh, the remainder of the season especially. So let's dive into this game, Penn State versus Maryland. If you look at it, Matt, on paper, 31-14, to 14, and you didn't watch the game, uh, Penn State fans are like, yeah, that's about exactly what we should have done. It didn't feel like that at all because I don't know about you. I was getting a ton of texts at the beginning of the fourth quarter when it was tied up 14 all. And a lot of those texts read WTF. Uh, what did you make of watching this game? Let's talk about basically the first three quarters of play. 
Yeah, it was just a little slow, right? That they they look good in spots. wasn't very consistent. Um, you, you mentioned Sean's accuracy issues. Yeah, he missed some throws, especially a few deep throws that that would have been big for this Penn State offense. They're just they're, they're a little off at times, right? Almost sloppy at times. But then, like you, you fast forward in this game, you look at the way they start the second half, right? A few great runs by Keevon Lee, right? And that's all you need there in that run game with him. Get downhill, stay north and south. Just give him a little crease. Let him use momentum, some of that speed and that size. And he's going to be able to pick up a handful of positive yards for you. And and then, you know, uh, you finish that, that drive with, with a great route by Dotson, you know, on that post route, he turns around Maryland's corner, Jacorian Bennett and a great accurate throw by Sean Clifford, 14 plays, 95 yards, a great drive. But it's like you see that, and then you see some struggles, right? Offensive line doesn't hold their blocks in the run game. You know, the the screen game wasn't there a few times. And I don't know if you agree with me, but, you know, uh, you look again, you have to think Sean's continuing to get healthy. You have to think he's still he's still banged up a little bit. But, I mean, the run game from him, it, it's it wasn't there really again on Saturday. I don't think it's going to be there for the rest of the year, Tom. No, whatever the injury was, it's definitely an, a mental thing at this point. Obviously, he's trying to protect his body for the long term. And it's something you and I have talked about ad nauseum on this podcast is that there's nobody really behind him that has a ton of experience, whether you tag in Taquan Roberson or Christian Veyu, uh, it's it's a long drop off. Um, so I think that's definitely something the coaching staff has probably said, hey, you got to keep yourself upright because we got Michigan still to go Rutgers, Michigan State. There's a lot that can be played. And then, of course, uh, Penn State's now bowl eligible. So there's plenty for him to play for. Oh, and oh, by the way, could he be back next season? So it's just thinking about his long-term health. But there were a lot of situations, Matt, where it was like he just seemed a little bit skittish in the pocket when it, there was the potential threat of pressure. And then especially when there was pressure, which you understand, did it look like to you he was just kind of maybe pulling the trigger too quickly on certain things? I, I think a lot of times, and not just for Sean, I think it's for any quarterback that has dealt with injuries or has gotten injured or is even playing injured, um, you know, you, you definitely do get skittish in the pocket because you're trying to limit your hits now, right? You're not at the point where you're feeling 100% where you're, I'm strong. I'll stand in here all day. Mm. I'll take whatever hit you throw me. Like, because there are games and times that you feel that way, Tom. Like, it doesn't matter. Anybody can hit me. I'm getting back up. But there's also times when you're in the pocket and you're like, I've taken a bunch of hits today, man. And, you know, once you start thinking like that, that's not good. That's not a road that you want to go down to because you're not going through your full progressions. You start to predetermine throws, right? All right, I, I, it's covered too, so I should have my end cut here. That's where this football has to go. I'm going to get I'm going to get back in my drop. And I'm going to get the ball to my hand rather than saying, all right, yeah, technically speaking versus this coverage, this is where ball goes. Ball needs to go. But if it's not there, I'm not going there. I got to continue to move on to my progression. Mm-hmm. But it's just, right, it's such a mental block that it could become and you know it get, it could force you to release the football early uh it, it could mess with you a lot and yeah i mean look at times it, has he done that yeah has t- at times has he had some accuracy issues yeah but he did make some great throws he did some good things in this game um you mentioned situations and moving on from sean you know, there there was some stuff situationally in this game. I didn't I didn't really agree with Tom. Like again, the fourth down, right? You try to just run it up the middle and you don't get it. Like I can't the the Tyler Warren yeah, Wildcat. I can't yeah. like you know me. Like and it's not just Penn State. It's anybody that does that. Like I can't mm-hmm. stand that. 
like Maryland tried to do that. Like, what, wh- like, mm-hmm. where do you like think all the time you're just gonna be able to run it for two yards or three yards where there's 10 guys in a box? Like, mm-hmm. you know, give them a run, give them a run pass option, give them something like that where if the run isn't there, you can throw it, you run a boot, you go quick game, something like that. Uh, that after the one of the turnovers, right? Run, run, sprint out pass in a backed up situation. I didn't like that series, I didn't like that series of calls, right? Um, it was tough, man, especially after a fumble in a 14 to six tight game. Now you're punting from the paint, which is always dangerous to be in. And you're giving a good Maryland team the ball, you know, around midfield or so, Tom. And then lastly, another point I'd like to bring up, there's a third and five, right? Maryland plays man. They throw slants. Sean makes a great throw to dots and huge play first down, but they get down into the red zone. Not one attempt to throw it in the end zone. Penn State held to three points. So I just felt like there were spots where they could have taken advantage of those situations more. Yeah, ultimately, uh, Sean ends the day 27 of 47, 363 yards, three touchdowns, all to Jahan Dotson. We're going to touch on that in a moment. And then it's the similar uh, play calling split that you and I have lobbied for, and it seems we're getting it, and that it was 47 pass attempts to 33 rushing attempts. The really encouraging thing was, oh my God, Penn State actually ran the ball in a respectable fashion. Granted, it's only 93 yards. It's still relatively anemic. But to your point, Kevon Lee, Noah Kane, John Lovett all had glimmers of success. Granted, you take it with a grain of salt. Maryland is not the best rushing defense in America, but you take what you can get out of the running game. What did you see that maybe could be applied for the rest of the season? That was it, Tom. Like That was the point I made with, with Kevon Lee. It's like, I don't need you to be breaking off runs of 15, 20, 30 yards or anything like that. Like, I just need positive yards. I need it for, I need enough of a threat there so that our run pass option game can continue to work, so that our quick play action game can work, so that we could push the football down the field and we can get guys biting in the second level or biting from the safety position. Like, like we talked about, Maryland, how aggressive those safeties were. In the, how good were those safeties? Very right? good. They're, they're, very, very they're, good play all they're day. They're good players. They fly around the field. They tackle well. And what was one of the, again, the th- one of the things we talked about, they struggled in passing situations, right? I think they did a great job of going after the safeties in the past game and finding them a one-on-one, the corner route to Lambert Smith early in the game. And then Dotson goes back to the uh, the inside seam route where he faked the in, ran up the seam for, for a touchdown. Both were on on cross, who who does struggle in coverage. But those guys are good players um, in the run game. Um but uh, but yeah, I just I, I need some type of positive yards there. It can't be a problem where like you're dancing at the line of scrimmage, you're trying to find cuts, you're trying to find little creases to go through there. I just you have to continue to try to inch your way downfield so that the whole entire playbook could open up. And I think they did a better job of that, which helped Jihad Dotson out tremendously. Yeah. So positivity in the run game. Definitely some concerns along the offensive line in terms of pass protection, which is what this offensive line is built to do. So that wasn't really great to see considering you know, Maryland came into the game recording 23 sacks. I believe it was fourth best in the Big Ten. So obviously a good team that can get after the quarterback. So you kind of expected that to a degree. Uh, made Sean a little uncomfortable, but the good thing was that, okay, the running game supported you enough. And it gave Sean enough time to find Jahan Dotson <laughs> 11 times for <laughs> 242 yards and three touchdowns in the process. Jahan Dodson, those 242 yards uh, receiving is the most receiving yards in a game in Penn State history. And it's the longest touchdown reception of his career involved in that as well uh, for 86 yards in the second half. 
I mean, we all knew how good Jahan Dotson was. And this was just kind of the showcase game, it felt like. What did you see? I think what's so impressive about him, Tom, is um, like we all know he has got great hands. He's got great breakaway speed. He goes up and gets the football. But it's the patience with some of the routes that he runs. Like we just talked about the double move versus Nick Cross up the seam for the touchdown. Right? You look at second and 17, you know, Maryland goes cover two. I'm not sure if it was supposed to be Tampa two, where they're going to try to run the, the middle linebacker up the middle of the field, but he doesn't do it. But this is what I'm talking about. The patience of Jihad Dotson, right? To take his time, get in there, and then explode up the field, and there's nobody there, and mm-hmm. a great accurate throw, and then you're not catching Jihad. You're not catching um, Dotson on that, dude. And it's just... Jahan Dotson, yeah. yeah you're, you're not catching him on that, man. It's just so impressive. He's just so smooth. He's getting more confident, more comfortable every single week. And it's like you're not like... It's like funny to look at those stats, but you're not you're not surprised. Do you know what I mean? Because it's, it was so, it was quiet. Like it was a quiet day for him. Like I felt like, but you look at it, it's like, this guy is just, he's a fantastic player. And you know, it's, let me tell you something. It it hides a ton of your problems as a Penn state offense. When you have a guy like Jahad Dotson, who is just flat out better than everyone else on the field. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, if you're going to nitpick anything, it's that, okay, it'd be nice to see more inclusion of other guys. They did try to go to Parker Washington, and there were just a a handful of opportunities where uh, Sean was maybe a little inaccurate or he was pressured. But still, Jahan looked fantastic. Um, I believe it was Petros Papadikis from FS1 who made the comparison to uh, former Penn State great Bobby Ingram. And I was like, that's very on point for more of a present comparison. My thought, and it's probably not the same exact, you know, uh, height and weight and measurables and such, but Keenan Allen of the Los Angeles Chargers, just in terms of a guy who is smooth, reliable, consistently catches the ball, not the fastest guy in the league. Uh, Jahan Dotson has all those measurables. I don't necessarily think he's going to go to the combine at some point and run the fastest 40 of anybody. But man, he just, the, the one crossing route that he had, he just knew exactly to take this little step inside the defensive back around the referee. And it's like, oh, this is going to draw my coverage right into the ref. And he understood exactly how to work around that kind of rub route, basically, that had been created. So it's just fun to watch. And then the, the opportunities that he is creating every single week for other receivers like Parker Washington, like Keandre Lambert-Smith. It was great to see Malik Mega get involved. And then, of course, all these tight ends. There's just so many weapons to be utilized when he has a big game like this. You hope that, and I'm curious what you think, is that versus like a Michigan or uh, a Michigan State or a Rutgers, is it all of a sudden, oh my God, we have to stop number five at all costs, and then everybody else flourishes. Well, I think that is that that's the goal for the opposing team every single week. You gotta see how to stop five, but it's hard to do. And that's one of the great things that Mike Yursich has done this year. It's creating opportunities for Jihad Dotson to get the football, right? It's not like, all right, we're just gonna keep him at the X position or we're just gonna keep him at the Z position. And if they cover him, they cover him, we'll go throw it somewhere else. Right. He'll play outside, he'll play the slot, he'll go short motion. Like he'll do a ton of different things that gets coverage off of him. Right. Or it creates situations where he's one on one versus a safety or he's got you're you're running outside routes. He's got the whole middle of the field to work off of a linebacker. Right. He does a really good job of game planning for Jihad Dotson and putting him in that spot where 
he is first in your progression and he is where you should go depending on what Maryland's tendencies are in that down and distance. So, I mean, it's, it's a great game planning job by Mike Yurcich. It's a great job of understanding what defenses are doing by Sean Clifford and knowing where the football goes and finding Jihad Dotson. And that's, Right. That's something that that great coaches do, I think, Tom, is that when you're building a game plan or you're building a play, it starts with who your best player is and saying, OK, here's the route I want him to run versus this coverage so we can get him the football. Here's where he needs to be. And now where do we build around that? Right. And he's done a good job of that. Yeah. He really has. I mentioned it before, but as a part of the Big Ten Network, you've had a lot of opportunities to cover the Maryland Terrapin football team. Were you surprised to see their defense kind of hold Penn State mm-hmm. into it, it just felt relatively stagnant in the second and third quarters overall was that a surprise to you I, I it, it wasn't um because we talked again and we talked about that the defensive line how how fierce those guys are right Okuanu had a good day for Maryland mm-hmm. Greg Rose another defensive lineman had a good day they've got a lot of mm-hmm. young players as well that that play for them Damian Robinson Hippolyte mm-hmm. we talked about how aggressive that secondary was in the run game you know, that's that, look, that's a good football team right there. And I understand they've gotten beat, you know, a few times this year. Teams have put up a lot of points on them. Um, they've struggled with turnovers at times. But that's a team that's going to continue to get better. They're going to win a lot of games, you know, moving forward and, and in the future. Mike Loxley, you know, has that team believing, you know. And, and you, you got a sense of how good they were at times, right? How good yeah. Rakim Jarrett was. Um, how about Chigaquanko, the tight end for mm-hmm. Maryland? He had mm-hmm. a great day. Um, and again, Talia is still growing and developing as a quarterback, just natural arm talent. Um, again, he's only a sophomore. You know, I think we forget he's still a young player, right? So he definitely has a lot of improving to do. But where he is right now, man, right, he's still playing at a high level. Yeah, turnovers are a problem, but he's going to be a very good player moving forward. If he stays, you know, as long as possible at Maryland, because he's got all the same physical gifts that his brother does, mm-hmm. uh, Tua. It just seems the uh, from the neck up, maybe some of the emotional maturity. And, and it's not, I don't even think he's really the, the worst decision maker or anything. And to your point, he's just young. But you can see instances like it was late in the game. There have been a few turnovers and he was visibly ticked off. And that's something with Tua. Tua was pretty consistent across mm-hmm. the board. You really never saw a whole lot of emotion from him. And that's just experience. That's you know, just maturing. You know, what's tough. And I think, you know, this is th- this is the way I thought about after watching that game. And when it comes to Talia and when it comes to Maryland, is that he's got to win the game for you. And I think he know and I think he knows he has to win the game for you, which is why he mm. puts the ball in tough situations, because he's trying to do that. Right. He's not he's trying to throw he's not trying home run balls. Yeah. He's not trying to not lose. He's trying. He's trying mm. to do everything he can to win. And if that means trying to throw the ball in tight windows or, or putting it at harm's way at times to try to create big plays, and I mean, then that, that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, and he's got the weapons to do it. It's just going to be a matter of time. And uh, if Mike, Mike Loxley stays there mm-hmm. long-term, Maryland can make some noise. Um, and Mojo Matati, our guest last uh, Friday on the podcast, I was texting him uh, earlier today. Uh, this is Sunday when we're recording this. And uh, not to patronize him or anything, I was like, if you guys were in the Big Ten West, you guys would probably walk away with the division. 
uh, it's just kind of such a top-heavy group in the East altogether. But uh, we're going to dive into the Penn State defensive effort against the likes of Talia Tagovailoa and company in a moment here and then just touch briefly on what's coming up this weekend versus Michigan. But before that, all of us involved here in the Patriot Podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. THON is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, THON has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about THON or to donate, visit THON.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We want to invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in United. At the very least, we want to hear from you. Tag Me In United is a proud partner and supporter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, also known as NAMI. If you'd like to show your support, you can purchase a Tag Me In t-shirt right now at prowrestlingtees.com slash tagmeinunited, and the proceeds will be gifted to NAMI. The link to this is provided in the description of this podcast. You are not alone. Tag Me In. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. So on the subject of the Penn State defense and Talia Tagovailoa, uh, Tagovailoa also was slinging it quite a bit, as was Sean Clifford. Ultimately, uh, Tua ends the day 41 of 57, 371 yards, a touchdown in an interception. And he also carried seven times, minus 29 yards, obviously. Uh, the Penn State defensive line was able to get after him. But um, that is a performance that we kind of expected from him. I know you expected from him because – He's a dude who can get back there and really throw it and hurt you. But honestly, this Penn State defense just did exactly what we expected. As many questions as there are about the offense and the identity of this team, as you and I have harped on, we know what the defense is, and they continue to be there every single week. Yeah, look, you're right. They're 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 very consistent. One of the more consistent defenses in in the country. You know, not 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 just the Big Ten. I thought Maryland had a good game plan early on. It seemed like the goal was get the ball out of their hands quick. Right, go to that run pass option quick game. Penn State did a great job of just keeping everything in front of them early on. Like, listen, you're not going to sit back there and just fire this football down the field, right? You want to take something in front of you, go ahead and take it. We'll make you be patient. We'll make you try to sustain drives and slowly move the weight down the field. And if you're able to do that for four quarters, then you probably deserve to beat us. Mm-hmm. But again, you're dealing with a young quarterback, a team that has dealt with injuries. That's hard to do. Maryland has you know, some missed opportunities, right? A few drop passes. And if I can pick on a few things from this defense at times, cover trouble covering the tight ends, right? We mentioned a Quanco, uh, had a few catches for them as well. I thought they struggled a little bit with that Maryland tempo offense, uh, as well. Obviously the bad snap was a huge Mm -hmm. break, 
But again, right, this this defense is just is loaded with talent. Guys make play after play for them. Um, but again, give Maryland some credit, right? They got they got uh, they got in a little bit of a rhythm at times, especially right before the half, right? They got rolling, and it, it seems like you know Franklin's re- rec- uh, receiving a ton of criticism for his decision to not try to put a two minute drive together. Tom, what do you think? Yeah, it just seemed like it, there was uh, frustration in terms of what the offense was able to do and it was just a matter of like you know what let's just live to fight another day kind of mentality i don't know it just the way the first half had gone as a fan watching it i was like yeah let's just kind of go in for the half but i also understand the people that are like yo try and go score some points so it's just you know i don't know You, you you can rationalize either side it's tough yeah i didn't like i didn't have a problem with it i really didn't like i'm not like i'm not gonna sit here and say they should have try to run the football, try to throw a football down the field. As a quarterback, you always think you have time. You don't care if you have mm. one timeout or zero timeouts or three timeouts. You always think you're going to complete two passes and you're going to go score, right? But the guy sitting here today, like the, the last thing you want to do is give the ball right back to a team and a quarterback who are getting really hot towards the end of the first half. So like, I understand mm-hmm. the decision to not do it, to be safe with the ball, it's seven six at that point. The last thing you want to do again, give them the ball back and have them get three or something happens and they get another touchdown and they're leading that half and then they come out and get the football. Do you know what I mean? So um yeah. I, I look I don't have a problem with it. You go in, you regroup, you do have the lead, um, and you, you figure out, you know, how to make adjustments, which we've talked about that so much over, you know, James Franklin's career is the adjustments that that, you know. They they make it making the second half and uh, they did a good job of it as well this week. Brent Pry and his defense they were fantastic. Uh, I was really impressed because it was something that Penn State's been tested on uh, a number of times during the year and they've answered uh, all the questions correctly to that test just about every single time. Is that when you try and work the perimeter consistently against them, when you try and get your athletes in space beyond the hashes. Uh, Penn State can run with you. Mm-hmm. The secondary, the linebackers, that is what this defense is built to do. It's the old cliche of playing sideline to sideline. You do not want to be in space with Ellis Brooks, Curtis Jacobs, and Brandon Smith. Mm-hmm. You do not want to have to meet uh, one of the corners if you're a wide receiver in a blocking assignment and then try and get that guy off the ball because you know Jaquan, uh, Jaquan Brisker or Jair Brown are right behind you uh, coming in to just level the ball carrier. So that that group just continues to play at a very high level. And the thought that I had as I was watching this game, and, and we've complimented the secondary so many times, I understand that the measure of being an NFL draft pick does not necessarily indicate how talented you are. And you can attest to that. You went undrafted and you had a great career in the NFL. But the way I look at the top five guys in the secondary in terms of Brisker, Brown, Castro Fields, Porter Jr., and Daquan Hardy, all five of those guys look like they can play in the NFL and potentially be very high draft picks. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're absolutely right. We talk about it every single week. I mean, uh, that is the strength of this team. That is the strength of this defense. Guys makes play after play after play. And I think, you know, Brown had a fantastic game. But like he kind of gets he kind of gets lost in the shuffle too. When we talk about these guys, because we talk a lot about Joey Porter, Tariq Castro Fields, everybody talks about how great Brisker is, and Brown's just as good mm-hmm. as the rest of them. So it's it's a strong, solid group, about as good as you're going to see in the country. Um, you know, 
they again they did a fantastic job of limiting that deep playability and they did a great job of limiting those you know go create plays that we've seen Talia mm-hmm. do a lot now he, he got away with something because he's a fantastic athlete but not a ton of them right and at, when I'm watching this game time I'm thinking I'm like don't let them hang around don't let them hang around you can't let this team stay in this game there's about 320 left I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that right now I'm like they're putting a drive together mm-hmm. um haven't yeah. been able to put them away up to this point what does Brown do jumps across route pick six I mean that like that's just him understanding concepts understanding quarterback progressions what a quarterback's looking for in that situation like that's that that's just a smart play we talk about how physically gifted these guys are right there i mean that's preparation right there that's watching film understanding your opponent's offense man that's like that like the first thing i thought of was like and i'm not comparing him to this guy so don't you know don't don't say i'm Mm -hmm. comparing him to this guy but like that's like uh that's like a charles woodson move like, because I used to do, I was like the scout team quarterback for the Raiders. So, mm. like, I would go drop back to pass, and I would throw, I would throw a ball, and uh, out of nowhere, Charles Woodson would either pick it off or he would break it up, and I'd be like, I'm like, w- sounds like a nightmare. I'm like, where, where, where did he, where did you just come from? That's not the coverage, dude. Like, you're not supposed to, like, you're not supposed to be there. But like that's, but mm-hmm. that's what I'm talking about. That's what separates great safeties from like the rest of the pack is. They just understand what offenses are trying to do, and that's exactly what Brown did in that situation. Brown can do that. Brisker does that on yeah. a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, God, that sounds like an absolute nightmare just to practice. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, the, my my thought, I mean, like, J- uh, Jair is just Mr. Turnover at this point. How many times this season has he just been Johnny on the yeah. spot? And we, we, we talked about it going to the Iowa game, just it's like, oh, they get so many interceptions and they're ball hawking secondary. I was like, man, Jair Brown is the definition of a ball hawk. Like, he just goes after it, man. So, I, I don't know. I We're all very uh, biased as Penn State fans, but I think that top five of, of defensive backs, uh, we're going to see them all on Sundays. I'm very curious to see where all of them get drafted respectively. Um, I, I personally think Brisker is a first rounder. We'll see. You know, he'll probably be first or second or something like that. But one thing that was really nice to see for the first time in weeks is that Penn State's defense finally stopped somebody in the running game. Yeah. Oh, especially after the Illinois game, 357 yards rushing, and everybody else having uh, gray hairs over that one. Um, Maryland, uh, 27 carries for 48 yards. You do get a touchdown on the ground. We knew that Maryland was not built to be a dominant rushing team. However, the way Penn State had played, it was kind of the Jekyll and Hyde thing that we've discussed on this podcast. Is that it's kind of like, all right, what version are you going to get? And it was a pleasant surprise. Uh, did you see something that they did differently, or was it just kind of these guys? you know, maturing into their yeah, roles. It seemed like they just, they wanted to make a point to stop the run game. And I think Maryland started to realize that like Maryland didn't entirely abandon the run until really late in the game. And that's what we talked about. Like last week, how Maryland was just going to try to continue to run it, continue to run it. But kind of felt like it got to a point where it's like, yo, it's not there. We're just got to, we, we got to throw the football mm-hmm. and they did that. But I think Penn state understood that. So that's what Penn state was able to kind of just start to soften up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, right. Able to play with, a little bit of depth to stop those big throws down the field by uh by Talia and company. Um, but yeah, that's what look, that's what you have to do moving forward. Um, and that's and I know we're gonna talk about this more uh, on Friday's show, but that's that's a tall task this week to be able to stop the run against one of the best Big Ten rushing teams in Michigan. 
um, you know, coming up on noon on Saturday. One of the best in the country. Yeah. Michigan is uh, outstanding when it comes to that. So Penn State walks away with a 31 to 14 win. Um, it, and it's something that we talked about with Mojo Matati is that he's like, this isn't even really a rivalry. However, all the seeds for a rivalry are there. I, I talked about it on Friday and I, I thought it was in 2018, but I went back and checked and it was actually the 2014 game when Maryland came to Beaver Stadium and uh, refused to shake the hands of Penn State players. And then we got a new wrinkle during this game and that Talia Tagovailoa goes out of bounds mm -hmm. and he gets shoved hard <laughs> down to the ground by Penn State's Rashid Walker. It, personally, I was kind of like, yeah, I was like, I think Talia might have a beef here. Mm -hmm. I think Rashid was maybe just kind of surprised. And oh, by the way, he's an offensive lineman. His whole life is punching outwards with his palms. So I was like, yeah, I think he was maybe surprised and just defending himself. But he also didn't back down from it. But I don't know. What did you think of the entire scenario there specifically? I mean, that was full extension, dude. Like he put he full out yeah. pushed the kid. And Talia was like, the the ref didn't see it, so it was like I I personally think yeah Talia had a gripe, like, but yeah he leveled at him. least like if you don't if you don't want to help him like pull up just at least get out of the way and let him keep running or something like that like he he legit he right. legit pushed him and then like <laughs> he tried to pull his hands back to like I I didn't push him well they cut to him again and he was like jaw jacking with the other sideline yeah. and I was like yeah oh, okay. I, I can't like, believe that didn't get called like I don't. I, I, yeah, just basically, I saw Talia go up to the ref afterward, and I, I think I could see the ref say, it's like, I'm sorry, I didn't see it. You know, like he was just, I, I think he was, I, I don't know where the linesman was, but yeah, it's just one of those things. And then like the Penn State fans uh, travel extraordinarily well. I had some friends at the game, and it's like half the stadium, more than that, are Penn State fans. The band, the entire second half, I could hear the band yeah. clear as day as if it was being played at Beaver Stadium. So I think all the seeds are there for Maryland fans and players and coaches to be like, we got to get them. So it's just a game to be careful of every year. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't feel safe. Maryland, Maryland, Maryland's got to get a lot better, I think, to be on that level and to, to kind of consider it a rivalry moving forward. Um, but you're right. Like, the distance helps. The ability for fans to travel back and forth to opposing stadiums. You know, obviously now there's been some, as you mentioned, some past history in these games things that have happened throughout throughout the course of these games so i mean it, i hope it turns into a rivalry um because it'd be great you know i mean it's there's so many great rivalries throughout the big 10 i mean you know penn state ohio state penn state michigan um penn state michigan state you want to add penn state maryland now into that mix i, I think it'd be great mm -hmm. man just you know it it it, it pumps you up each and every week for a game, right? It gets you excited. It gets the fans excited. It gets the media excited, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's good for college yeah. football. It's good for the Big Ten. The recruiting battle is there. Mm -hmm. The relationship between Franklin and Loxley is there. I think the world of Mike Loxley, I think he's an outstanding football coach and is perfect for that program. And, um, you know, so many guys on the Penn State roster are from the Beltway or from the DMV, so to speak. Like, they are just – they're winning that battle there. And if Maryland is able to slowly gain ground in that respect, they're going to be much more competitive as years go by. The one question I do want to end on is now that Penn State's got a win, six and three, you're about to host Michigan uh, at home uh, this Saturday, November 13th at noon on ABC. Um, Michigan, if I can double check the rankings, they are number seven currently. 
And they are seventh in the country in terms of uh, rushing, 234 yards per game. They are seventh, uh, six, excuse me, in points allowed. This is an outstanding team. Penn State's got a lot of work to do. However, does this win against Maryland quell the issues around James Franklin ahead of this Michigan game? You're talking about him in the media and taking another job because I haven't heard much about it. <laughs> Winning cures all. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think people, to be frank, I just think people are tired of talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's you feel mm-hmm. like you're talking about it every single week, and it's kind of to the point now where it's just like, all right, man, like, I don't care. There's games left on the schedule. You, you got to continue to play the season. We don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, you're not going to tell us what's happening. You look at P.J. Fleck, right? His name popped up maybe for about a week for that USC job or taking another job. Mm-hmm. And then now he's signed through 2028. 20, um, you know, I think he handled that tremendously. Um, you know, he signed the contract in front of his team. He talked about how he didn't want it to be a distraction, anything like that. So I thought that was handled perfectly by him. And, you know, then they go and get beat by Illinois. <laughs> um, but uh, hey, we know that pain. Credit to Brett Bielema. That's a, that's a tough so, team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, look, this this is this is a big one you know, for Penn State this Saturday. So the last thing you need is a distraction. Um, but I don't think, again, I don't think they're going to ha- have one now. I think the media has, has backed off a little bit because I think, again, I think people are just tired of talking about it. They're tired of writing about it. They're, just, they're tired of dealing with it. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, excuse me. Michigan is at number nine uh, currently in the AP top 25. So just depending on uh, where you look, they will be visiting number 23 Penn State this Saturday at noon on ABC. We will have a full preview of that this Friday here on the Pater podcast. As always, uh, like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, this is a big week for Penn State football. And who knows, this could make the season mm-hmm. if the Nittany Lions are able to upset the Wolverines. So very much looking forward to breaking that down with you, Matt. And uh, we'll see you all this Friday for another edition of Pater. Oh, Pater! Pater! Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.